Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, where business leaders tell their stories and share their insights. All our guests have a personal connection with Nottingham Business School, so listen, learn, enjoy and share. Welcome to the Nottingham Business School's Business Leaders Podcast with me, Mike Sassy. Now, global technology company Fujitsu and Nottingham Trent University um, are about to celebrate the fifth anniversary of a collaboration they launched to improve the well-being of their staff, students and customers. To help mark the occasion in a, in a special episode of the Business Leaders Podcast, I'm talking to Tim Moody, who is a long-standing senior leader at Fujitsu about leadership across an international business. Tim is currently Head of Portfolio and Strategy at Fujitsu Uvance and has worked for Fujitsu in 18 different countries, including India, Japan, the USA and right across Europe. He has also spent time in Japan, where he was so inspired by the local culture that he learned haiku, which is Japanese short-form poetry. But today, Tim is here to offer leadership insights from within a truly global IT business. So Tim Moody from Fujitsu, welcome to this special episode of the Nottingham Business School's Business Leaders Podcast. Thanks, Mike. I'm delighted to be here. Good stuff. So we'd better get the uh, we'd better get the haiku out uh, out of the way first. So you're an engineer by trade, but what was it about working in Japan that turned you into a poet? <laughs> I had a long-standing, uh, actually, reason. One of the reasons I joined Fujitsu originally was hopefully to go and, and uh, work in Japan. My dad, many many years ago, had visited the country and loved it, and I, I kind of took that as a bit of a challenge. And you hadn't been there? No, no, not at all. So I've had the fortune to be over to. Uh, Japan, working with colleagues in, in Fujitsu a number of times. Um, the poetry was uh, was a slight aside, but um, I sort of took the challenge. I saw the the British poet laureate one uh, Sunday morning on TV, children's poet laureate, uh, who talked about poetry being an important outlet for creativity. And I'd uh, just been to Japan, and I thought, well, why not combine the two? So I gave myself the task of writing. Uh, Japanese haiku is a, a bit of a part time. So, have you have you kept that up? Or uh, I go through very variations, um, and unfortunately, ChatGPT and artificial intelligence <laughs> actually I find is actually much better at writing haiku <laughs> than I am. But I, I do like doing it, especially when there's a special occasion or maybe something I find quite funny. And what was it that inspired you? You were you were working, presumably you were doing some kind of IT work within uh, within the business in, in, in Japan and, and poetry? How did that come about? So I'd, I'd actually just been had the fortune of taking part on a, a leadership uh, training course. And one of the, the points was around personal development and continual personal development. And I was just musing over kind of how to, how to encourage creative genes. Um, and part of the challenge of the leadership course was actually doing something out of your comfort zone. And as an engineer... Poetry is about as far away from being in your comfort zone. And it's a special four-line poetry, isn't it? Three lines. Three lines, sorry. So uh, five syllables, seven, sil- seven syllables and five syllables. Okay. So, so you can do whatever you like as long as it's got that many syllables. Oh, great. So there's your first leadership tip. Uh, Japanese poetry. <laughs> <laughs> my, my tip would just be try stuff. Try, um, stuff. try Try new things that stretch you. Good stuff. So in general, across the world, in your experience... What 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 what's the difference between leadership here at home in in, in Britain and, and and international leadership? Oh well, that's a huge question. I, I think I would dwell on um, the the purpose of leadership, possibly. So, um, driving 
driving and leading people in the business in a, in a specific direction, but also enabling uh, colleagues to perform at their best. Right. And I think if you if you think about the the latter of those two, so how do you enable uh, individuals, colleagues to to work at their best and as a part of a team? Uh, taken into consideration cultural difference um, is incredibly important because that really is at the centre of who people are and how they behave. So, so it's that idea of, of, of you know, if you're if you're if you're able to do that at home in the UK as, as, as second nature, as it were, you've got to work a little bit harder to do that abroad. Well, and, and there's yeah, absolutely that when you work in, in your home turf, so to speak. Um, and, and this is a bit of an oversimplification because there is also a lot of diversity in, in the UK, um, which I sort of view as a hugely important thing. But you're, you're kind of the cultural norms um, you're, you're used to and you accept. But those cultural norms don't exist or exist in different constructs in different countries. So understanding the assumptions that people are working to, how they would typically work as a group, how you make decisions, all very different in different countries. So if, if, if an important part of being a leader is to get the most out of everybody around you, then, then you, you really can't do that abroad unless you've, you've taken these, these uh, cultural differences into account. I think being deliberate about how you embrace the different cultures, the, the members of a team, how that, that looks and feels, um, and how you're enabling people to, to do the best they can and, and turn up and be really productive at work is incredibly important. You have to do that specifically but based on um, culture and identity the the nature of your business it it knows no boundaries no international boundaries um so um how do you how do leaders in your position prepare themselves for that that kind of borderless worldwide collaboration collaboration is is i think the key word in there um i think the it industry has been a one of the leading lights in terms of embracing uh, global delivery. Uh, Fujitsu as, a, as an organisation has, as you've highlighted from the fortunate amount of countries I've been able to visit and work in, uh, we've em embraced that global um, aspect to our, our business and, and really use those different um, capabilities and skills from across the globe to deliver for, for our customers and in, improve customer outcomes. So I think the the, the idea of a, a global organisation is one that we've been working in for an awful long time. Uh, and I think the, the important aspect there is the limitless aspect that you refer to. The cloud computing is about um, being able to deliver co capabilities, capacity, um, nearly instantaneously, if you like, any anywhere in the world. And it enables... Uh, our customers, and, and that's corporates, public sector customers anywhere in the world, to really deliver um, services that they might not have thought they've been able to do. Gives, gives them access to technology that they may otherwise not have. So actually how you use that technology, how you embrace it to deliver a specific outcome, requires different perspectives, viewpoints and skills to be brought to bear. So how much of this is underpinned by the fact that we all assume the, the world talks like we do <laughs> well this business is conducted in english oh well I, so that's a huge assumption yes uh, I, I thought you were going to say that <laughs> I, it is so it, it is in the main part english is a very significant language um, does, it, does it help with the, the leadership it does it does but again um, i think we you need to assume so you need to um 
be really cognizant of the type of language that's used. So, you know, a simple example, um, we use phrases in the UK that don't scan um, in any other country in the world. Uh, so my, my best example is, is from my time in the, in the US, um, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, I use starter for 10 quite often. Oh, yeah. So Bambergascoin. <laughs> uh, originally, um, for those maybe not as old as, as I am that maybe don't remember Bambergascoin, University Challenge, yeah. um, UK, UK um, show. I, t I say that. It's a it's a moniker. It's it's something to describe. We'll just create something, see how it goes. You use it as a starting point. My American colleagues looked at me blankly, mm -hmm. and I and I had to ask a couple of times and say, "Well, you're just looking confused. We have no idea what you just said." <laughs> so there are a lot of assumptions in the way that we uh, sure. in those kind of cultural norms that every country has that they use. Some of some of them are known, understood, but many aren't. I, I, you'd say you were presenting there or you were in America. I saw something online you presenting in, in, in Japan and, and, and presumably that was an even bigger challenge. Yeah, again, um, the, uh, the use of English is, is our, within Fujitsu, it's our, um, it's our global language. But acknowledging that the, the understanding of English is variable. And if you're trying to present, especially to a, a large audience, then um, translation is a, is a standard um, approach to doing that. So, you know, that takes typically takes the form of speaking quite slowly so right. that the translator can actually trans understand record right. and then translate the piece that you've just used into Japanese or another language. But you have to stop. Delib yeah. be deliberate in the language and then allow that to be to be used and then go on to the next piece. So there's a very different cadence in the way that you would present. You have experience of um, uh, you know, several international operations um, and you're just talking about uh, present presenting to, to foreign audiences. Um, I'm guessing that's something which which you get better with with time. Um, what, um, what, what do you know now? Which you wish you'd known when you when you first when you did your first first of those eighteen countries. Um, oh, many 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 things. I think spending time learning about different communication styles, the the kind of colloquialisms, the the language that's used, and, and whether yeah. that that reads across. I think using plain plain English and using um, sort of simpler words can actually help in understanding. It's not, not trying to dumb down the message, but sure. using, using simpler words as opposed to more, more complex words. Um, also think if you look at the way that, for instance, slides are read differently um, that you use on PowerPoint, for instance. Um, acknowledging that pictures in some cultures are much more effective at conveying information than lots of lots of words even though it's been translated so i think understanding some of those um those assumed this yeah. is the best way to get it over um, right and and understand a bit more about the way that information is consumed by the people you're speaking to i think is important okay um and it, it's that it's that um Understanding of people that you've that you've referred to two or three times already, curiosity. Presumably, that's a that's a big big issue for for, for leadership abroad. It, it, I think leadership full stop. So well, yes. um, being curious about um, pretty much everything actually. So 
the idea of being curious like a child and not making assumptions it kind of goes back to the just questioning some of the basic basic assumptions so um understanding more about the people that you're you're talking to so the motivations of of so how was that in in Japan specifically? Because there's a big there's, that's a big difference between Western decision making, Eastern East, Eastern decision making. I think uh, you know that's that's a more obvious distinctive uh, difference than say somewhere in like America or Europe. How was that? Um, that that's a hu- the the bottom line for me is again you have to be curious about wanting to understand how those decision how decisions are made. So you know the the, the truism. Uh, best example is in you know Western um, business cultures meetings that are there to make decisions. In Eastern cultures, um, meetings are there to actually ratify decisions that have been made outside of the outside of the right. Meeting. right so the right. work goes on outside of outside of the session that's effectively rubber stamped in the session. So so how does that so what what differences do that make for you? So where you've got stakeholders that work in that way. It's important that you're working to their decision-making process and understanding how, if you want to get um, a, a something done, something agreed, actually you need to socialise it with the right decision-makers prior to the session, but be conscious of uh, the process you need to go through and that it gets done. Is that a really polite way of saying something else? You have to socialise the decision beforehand. Does that mean that the, the, all the decisions are made in the restaurant the night before? <laughs> uh, well... Um, in a much more structured way. Than yes, that. yes, absolutely. But but absolutely, that the the input has been sought prior to a decision, final decision being made. So, but, so does that make the meetings um, um, uh, more ceremonial, <laughs> perhaps shorter? Um, sure, certainly, certainly. Put, I wouldn't may, maybe use the word ceremonial. So, I think the important um, the, the important cultural aspect is around alignment. So, the the meeting forms a core part of aligning the organisation, the, the teams around moving forwards from that point. So they're more than ceremonial, that's for sure. Right, right. So there is there is still something... There that's is a still... huge amount of value, absolutely. Okay, I've got you. You, you talked about diversity, I think, in, in that answer, or perhaps the previous answer. Mm. In, in, as important, more important in, in, in international leadership? Uh, again, I'll, I'll probably... International leadership, absolutely, but leadership, full stop. So... If you're trying to create create a team to deliver an outcome, um, having different viewpoints on that that team, different experiences to bring to bear, to collaborate, to come up with the best answer you can do is vital. Because if you've got one, uh, whether it's a social demographic, whether it's an age group, whether it's a background and an experience, you typically don't get that kind of clash of Sure, yes, 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 yes. So the diversity, whether that's um, neural diversity, whether it's um, diversity from a geographic perspective, from a language, from a background, whether it's from a skills and experience, getting that diversity into a group will drive a better outcome. Okay, some cultures are not famed for their um, for their diversity, for whether, whether it being in doing business or whatever how do you how do you get around that so i think again the the, the key point is if you're off being deliberate if you're leading a team being deliberate about the makeup of that team is really important so if you are recruiting if you're bringing together that team for a, a short or a long-term objective doing so knowingly focusing on the types of individuals that you've got how they're going to going to work together 
it's kind of the same whether you're doing it from a within one geographic area or whether you're you're looking at it from a, an international standpoint and that needs to take into account the different um, decision making processes for instance and also the backgrounds another element of diversity that we haven't touched on is difference in knowledge and background so one of the reasons that we've partnered with nottingham trent university over the uh, nearly six years now is i think to add value in both directions um across across that so from a diversity perspective it's worked for you absolutely from a fujitsu standpoint um I, I mean i can give a very personal example which i've just been um, meeting with colleagues uh, from the psychology department so um, we run a, a men's health and well-being forum within fujitsu and we've been working with Notts trent university to have some of the psychology lecturers come and do specific sessions around some of the the key topics that affect men's well-being um, so uh, things like um, domestic abuse, uh, as an example, gambling, um, and, and then we can start to help signpost some of the um, support for colleagues in Fujitsu. So quite a, a, not exactly an IT topic, but it's getting different skills, different vantage points from an academic uh, perspective to facilitate a conversation um, Fujitsu College. So that it, it helps in your leadership? Oh, hugely, hugely. And, and um, you know, promoting well-being improves the performance of, of Fujitsu as an overall organisation, improves the, the workforce uh, well-being um, overall. I think if we look at, uh, that's a, a you know, kind of HR-related activity, we've um, worked with Notts Trent University to deliver project outcomes um, where we've used some of those academic skills to bring um, very different view viewpoints from the psychology of how you consume IT services um, as an example, so um, hugely different skill set than Fujitsu has um, within it. If, if you look at the benefits back to Nottingham Trent University, uh, huge amount of work, uh, uh, for instance, helping coach engineering students. So I know I've been um, part of uh, work where we've we've helped assess student projects as a part of sure. um, engineering sure. uh, engineering degrees, which has been fantastic. We've uh, done some uh, podcasts and uh, sure. we've done some lectures to again give that industrial um, context back to help hopefully students contextualize what's yeah, required in industry and make them better leaders in the future absolutely yeah yeah we've done 20 or 30 of these podcasts now and several guests in particular the most recent guests because i think this is becoming a more prevalent point have talked about the importance of eq over iq um, for leaders, you know, that is the importance of emotional intelligence, how, how, um, how, how leaders relate to the people around them. Um, is there in, anything in particular uh, for leadership, international leadership, for leadership abroad, uh, where this, that becomes relevant? Uh, I think it, there is. I guess my, that there is definitely, uh, EQ is incredibly important. And I'd say that for a few reasons, that the commonality of working, whether it's internationally or within one geography, is funnily enough, people are all individuals. And people are all individuals with all their own drivers, all their own worries. Sensitivities. Absolutely. And so all of that, the work that you need to do to understand that, to um, bring the strengths to bear, also understand how you can enable people, support them through difficulties in life, uh, all of those things pervade whether it's uh, a, a team that's geographically in the same place or whether it's international. What I've found and I am continue to find 
is that, as I say, people are people. So uh, mostly if you create the environment for people to be able to talk in an open way uh-huh. and share ideas in an open way and feel secure in doing that, pretty found that it doesn't really matter what part of the world people are from. Okay, so wait a minute. This is this is actually a commonality. This is something which people are sharing, as opposed to other you know cultural references, maybe fundamentally, maybe pulls apart on there. But but in terms of um, humour, for example, that crosses boundaries. That brings people together. Well, let me give you a let me give you a, an insight. So uh, one of the things I've always tried to do on um, team meetings. Every every team has a team meeting. Yes. Our ones in face to face. This is uh, no, so definitely, definitely remotely. Okay. Uh, the current team I'm I'm working in, I've got um, just over sixty people, but about eight different countries. So, 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 so let, let me just come to that. So you, there are sixty people answer to you across eight different countries. Yep, yeah, and that's that's probably a fairly that's a small team in the overall scheme of Fujitsu. Right, and and you bring them together how often? Um, at least once a week, from a leadership perspective. So we have. Um, eight or seven or eight of us that, that get together that represent those various teams. Mm-hmm. We get the team, the whole team together in what we call an all hands. Uh, we've got one tomorrow, actually. Uh, so every month. So right, everybody right. comes together globally um, and virtually every month. Okay, so that's a lot of, lot, lot of that's a big cultural mix. Yeah, and, and again, um, what we do is we take the opportunity to uh, share information, share progress, but the important piece is to give... Um, uh, so we do use translation as an example. So um, we'll uh, we'll, tra- we'll translate all of the materials that we use into English and Japanese, so it's easier to digest for the the, the team members in in Japan. We also use translation, so uh, everybody will uh, either, depending on what they're comfortable in, speak in Japanese, and it'll be translated to English, or my words will be tra- hopefully translated from um, English into from Brummie into indeed <laughs> indeed so. Um, Again, it's trying to make sure that you're um, doing the, the make it easier for the people that are consuming that information. Okay, does that inevitably mean it takes longer, or are people just very patient? Uh, it does take longer, absolutely. Yeah. But but if uh, you know a price of um, making a, an effective team perform is is communication and making sure that people are you know have a similar understanding sure. of priorities um, and are able but again as a part of that f- that forum as an example we will um, provide space for um, questions we do that we also allow that in terms of anonymous questions or uh, so it gives people again the freedom not to want to speak up personally sure. Sure. Um, so lots of different mechanisms and I, I, just to go back to one point that you you kind of raised humor i think is is incredibly important and uh, what we found is, um, again, not being too prescriptive about the, the, the humour that's raised. And again, you have to be cognizant of different um, uh, different um, viewpoints. But one of the things I typically do on, on my leadership team meetings, where we have seven or eight of us, is, is ask for a highlight of the week. So that can be work-related, that can be personal, it can be something that went really well, something that individuals have learned. And what you find is that actually after a while, people get into kind of a cadence and will raise um, the things they find funny, the things they've really enjoyed from a work or a, a personal perspective. And we've, I personally, and I think the team have, have learned a lot about individuals from the things that they raise, especially the non-work related ones. Okay. So, so, so what kind of things do they bring up? <laughs> so um, interestingly, so if I look at some of my, my Japanese colleagues, 
they have the same curiosity about um, culture outside of Japan that we do in, in and I do in, in Japan. So quite often uh, their highlights of the week will turn into mini quizzes, as an example. So um, <laughs> where they'll share some information about about Japan uh, and say, you know, which one of these is which one of these is true. Um, <laughs> We've shared stories about um, do-it-yourself. Oh yeah. So DIY is different in Japan. No. Um, oh, it's and, the same. It, and it turns out it turns out people are as bad at DIY in Japan as I I am at DIY. So, you know, small small snippets about uh-huh. people create that environment and a bit of team bonding, even in a virtual context, that allow when you get onto the work conversation. Yeah. For that to be more effective and, and bounded in, in some more personal trust because you've shared some of those smaller details. Okay, so it's good It's good for bringing the team together. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, I've got you. So, and finally, there is, um, is there, or there is, there is there one piece of advice that you might give to leaders and would-be leaders who are planning, hoping to do business abroad? I would say be really open. Be open to learning an awful lot. Take a chance. Just just be really out there. Just just give it a go. Um, uh, but but really be open to advice from people that have um, have more experience. And I'm, I would say I have some experience. There are people within Fujitsu that have much more experience than than I do. For instance, at working over a longer period with with Japanese colleagues, by way of example, or working culturally with with some of our colleagues in other areas of the the world, I'd take all the advice you can get um, and understand what works, what doesn't, but give it a, you know be open to trying. And, um, Is there a bit of humility in there as well? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, as soon as you realise you don't know everything, um, by definition. You're, you're open to learning, hopefully, and, and that is being human. So. That's great stuff. <laughs> so recognise you don't know everything. Yes, I can, I can identify <laughs> with that one. Tim Moody from Fujitsu, thanks very, very much for joining us here on the Business Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then why not check out some of the others that are also available, including those with the chair of the FA, Debbie Hewitt, broadcaster and entrepreneur David Lloyd and the Vice-Chancellor of Nottingham Trent University, Professor Edward Peck. The Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast is produced for Nottingham Trent University by Celtic Tiger Productions. Your presenter was Mike Sassy and your producer was John Collins.